0: our text is going to be Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, but also you may want to put a ribbon or a finger or something in a couple other places. Uh, We are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5 in a little bit, and and then also uh, 1 John chapter 2, we'll be looking at that as well. But right now we're in Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Let me say though, before I start, we had three graduations this week. And uh, i tell you what, uh, Brother Osborne with those principles, I mean, Brother Joe, and and then you think of uh, Miss Comby, and and Mrs. Comby, should I say, and then Mrs. Lloyd. Those three, uh, just all of the four of them, that quartet, you might say, that quartet, I might have them come up and sing as a quartet, as a matter of fact. Uh, But uh, they did an outstanding job. I mean, when you see all that goes into that and just sit there, you go there and you have no idea what's all involved. And they did an outstanding job. I really appreciate that. And that that was great. And, uh, and, and I I tell you what, uh, I'll probably say something along the line today. I'm not sure if I will or not, but you know, public schools in state of Florida, so, well, because we had this COVID and not everything, if you want your kids to just move on to the next grade, it's all right. One thing we can say, every child from K-5 through the 12th grade that graduated this week, uh, this week earned it every bit 100%. And if you have a child in OCA and they're going from one grade to the next, they earned it 100%. And if they're not moving to the next grade, they didn't earn it. Okay, and so I just want to say is that I really appreciate, because we've had quite a few souls saved this, this year. We've, some parents have been reached, and the school is fulfilling the Great Commission, and I really appreciate that so very much. Well, let's look at our text here, but we'll have a word of prayer, then we'll get started. Father, I pray that as we go into the Word of God today, that Thy Holy Spirit would have free course in the message, in the sermon, in the hearts of every person, whether it's here, on radio, or on live stream. Lord, we want to ultimately glorify your name, and we know one of those things are turning people to Christ. So Lord, I pray that you would do the work that only you can do in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, looking here in Psalms chapter 1, we want to start out here with uh, verse 1. This is what we've already covered, verse 1, but just kind of a review here to start off. Blessed is the man. Now, remember, blessed, happily content. That's the person that is not only happily content, but they're in God's will and they are equipped by God. Do you realize that God doesn't call you to do anything that He won't equip you to do? You may not know that you have it at the moment. I mean, David didn't know that he could kill a giant, for he went and actually faced the giant. But he knew who his God was, and it was accomplished. And, and you know, throughout the Bible, you see these great stories. Remember, it's not that these guys had this great natural ability; they had what God gave them, and they used it for the Lord. And the man that does that, he is blessed. He'll be happily content, and he'll be used of God. So, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, he doesn't walk in the counsel of those that uh, do not put Christ first in everything, that are not, maybe not even saved. They don't walk in that counsel, that advice. Rather, they search the scriptures. And... And all their ways acknowledge God, and He directs their paths. And so that's the way you have to go with this. So that man that is blessed walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. These are people that try to justify everything that's wrong, whether it's LGBTQ, whether it's uh, this this thing of of uh, well, you know, we can drink today, we can do this today, we can do that today. Uh, no. They don't try to justify that. The Bible doesn't teach that. They, the Bible teaches the opposite. So, uh, this person doesn't stand in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The same people that will stand in the way of sinners are the same people that will end up scorning all oh, that church. they so old fashioned, those old standards and everything else. What's wrong with them? They need to come into the 20th century. Oh, we passed 20th century, 21st century too. We, we passed 21st century a long time ago. We're looking at eternity. You know, that's one of the things that we learn is to have your heart set on eternity. And you build towards that. And so that's, uh, as we uh, look at that, uh, they're not scornful. They're not always uh, going to try to cut down whatever is done. But their delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, when we looked at that, uh, we, we considered some things. For an example, in Psalms chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, Thou hast preserved thy Lord, word, O Lord, forever. It's like s- silver tr- tried in the furnace of fire, tried seven times. I mean, that it was made pure. Pure gold, pure silver. It was tried seven times. And so, it's tried in that furnace of fire. And then he added that he will preserve it from this generation. We told you, this generation's on earth. There's not generations in heaven. Each one in heaven, each angel in heaven is an individual creation. They weren't procreated. They were created individually by God. You and I, we are procreated. God created Adam and Eve, but after that it was procreation. And so, this generation, we have generations on earth. In heaven, uh, angels don't reproduce one another. We have it here. God is preserving His Word in this generation, in this world, as well as forever His Word is settled in uh, heaven, Psalms 119.89. So, the Word of God is settled, it's preserved. And so we saw that last time. And then we saw that Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 48, that it was by His Word we would be judged. We looked at briefly, very briefly last time, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that the idea is that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration has the idea it is God-breathed. When you talk, like I'm talking now, uh, I've got to breathe out to talk. If I try to talk while I'm breathing in, you're not going to get it. Okay? So you talk while you're breathing out. Every word is God breathed. But it was given to holy men of old, Second Peter chapter one, because they could be trusted to write down exactly every word that God would give them to write, and they would not hold anything back, or add anything to it. He could only trust holy men to do that. That was for the Old Testament, that's for the New Testament, because that's not two different Bibles, there's just one Bible, Genesis chapter 1-1 through Revelation chapter 22, the very end of the book. It's all one book, it's all from God, it is all God breathed. And so, we looked at that, and, and, and then we also seen that in, in chapter 4, 2 Timothy, that the preacher is commanded to preach the Word in season, out of season. He's to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering, doctrine and authority. God not only told him to preach the Word, He told him how to preach it. But in addition to that, God lets the preacher know that he's going to be judged as to whether he did or not. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, the pastor, the preacher, has a greater judgment responsibility before God at, at the judgment seat of Christ as a Christian than the average Christian will. So, that says a whole lot to me. And so, we've got to stick with the Word of God as it is to men as they are. And then, in Psalms 138, too, we saw the importance of the Word of God. He has exalted His Word even above His name. Now, <laughs> the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess of things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the honor and glory of God the Father. That is a great name. Yet, Psalms 138.2 says He's exalted His Word even above His name. But then when you think about that, Jesus is called the Word of God. He is called, in uh, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's called God. And then verse 14 says, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's the living Word. In John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus in His high priestly prayer said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. And then Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth. See, there's no contradiction between Jesus Christ and the Bible. Jesus is the living word. The Bible is the written word. And there is no contradiction. And no part of Jesus has been lost. And no part of the word of God has been lost. All of it preserved. And so we have that for us today. And so that's, when we look at that, he says there again in verse 2, and very clearly so, uh, he says, uh, not only is the blessed man, but then we get to verse 2, and as soon as I find it, I'll read it. Oh, there it is. Okay. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now we kind of use examples like that. Some people get involved in social media, or the latest in computer technology, or whatever, and they'll be days, hours, and days after day getting into that thing. That uh, some get home, uh, the person get home night, they, they're going to check their, their social media, and they may be hours on there. On the other hand. Uh, some it's, it's sports, some some other kind of a hobby, but it just takes hours upon hours upon hours of time, and yet they're saved. And so, there's a Christian. They say, "Well, you know, I read the Bible this morning, read a devotional booklet too, he even said a prayer, and after that, 15 minutes. I don't know what happened. <laughs> okay, and so uh, that, that's not meditating in in His Word night and day. Okay, and and you have those times where you can do that. And, and we don't do it. We're to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, you've got to study those technologies. Yes, you've got to study for whatever your job is. Yes, you've got to think on those things. What are we going to do? But you know what? It's good to seek the Lord to say, Lord, how do you want me to do this? And get his guidance. Get his direction. Get him to lead us. And and when we do these things, then he says, he shall be like a tree planted By the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in due season. And his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, how man uh, identifies prosperity and how God identifies prosperity has a difference. Man's prosperity is temporal, God's prosperity is eternal. And so you have to look at, what is it that I am looking for? Now, having looked at that, I want us now to go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19, because I want to expand on this, thinking that the Word of God. We started actually on these verses last time, but I really didn't get into it like I wanted to. But uh, these verses here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. This is Jesus speaking. We, we call it the Sermon on the Mount Uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7, great chapters, they're all one sermon long. You thought I preached long. And they're all one sermon long. And he preached that, the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, Think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Well, a lot of people think, Well, that's under the law. Does the old... Testament. I mean, that's the law. Uh, Part of that law is what we call the Ten Commandments. So, does the New Testament nullify the the Ten Commandments? Is it all right to kill now? Is it all right to commit adultery now? Is it all right to steal now? Is it all right to take God's name in vain now? He said, well, no, no. You know, some of those things, it, it, it came back on those. You see, really, When the law did away with things, it did away with something, and that was the sacrifices. They don't sacrifice lambs anymore. You don't sacrifice oxes and things of that nature. Why? Because those sacrifices were met in Christ Jesus. Every one of them pictured what Jesus was going to do for us. He was going to die on a cross for every sin you or I ever have or ever will commit. He did it for you. He did it for me. For every person that's ever walked on the face of this earth, he did it. And he did a complete job. That's why he can save you. And he rose up victorious over hell and the grave. That's why, again, Revelation 1.18 says, he has the keys of hell and of death. That's why he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by him. So, again, we see that. And then he goes on in verse 18, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass. Uh, Have heaven and earth passed? I mean, Al Gore had his passing about 10 or 15 years ago, and I think we're still here. But he says, One jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Nothing is going to pass from the Word of God. Everything's going to be fulfilled. The coming of Jesus is going to be fulfilled. Now, the Jews didn't believe in Jesus back in that day. Now, some of them received him and did believe. But that part was fulfilled. A coming Messiah. And Jesus Christ was that Messiah. But, he said not one tittle, uh, not one jot or one tittle kind of like abbreviation marks or other marks that you have in punctuation. And basically that's uh, kind of like what it is. Some will say the dot of an I or the cross of a T. That's fine to say, but it's, it shows you that not one thing from the Word of God will ever, 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 ever be lost. As a matter of fact, it's not only preserved, it is settled in heaven. And so again, you think of in Genesis chapter 1, the first thing Satan does, what does Satan do? He is the founder. You can find it in Genesis chapter uh, 2 and 3, chapter 3 actually, Genesis chapter 3, you'll find the founder of critical thinking. Hath God said? Eve says, Well, you know, God did say that if we eat this, that lest you die, don't eat of it lest you die. Satan says, no, you got God's words wrong. God said, you shall surely die. And they did that very day. You see, okay. die didn't mean ceasing to exist. They lived for hundreds of years after that. Death meant separation from God. They'd be forever separated from God unless they had a Savior. But Satan questioned the word of God. And he says, look, and here's the critical thinking. You shall not die. Come on. See, what God knows see, he knows what's behind the tree of knowledge of good and of evil. He knows that. And if you know that stuff, then you're going to be equal to him, and you're going to be able to set on his level. He doesn't want you there. Critical thinking, and he gave in to critical thinking. By the way, I would say that's the thing that's behind much of your public education, but unfortunately, it is spilling over into a lot of these Christian colleges and Christian schools of critical thinking, and that is filthy and it's wrong. <clears throat> and again, for those that are listening, by that there's no apology coming for that one. Okay, now again, there's uh, not one thing that they can say. Well, I think that you're wrong on that, Pastor. No, it's the devil that was wrong. It is the devil that was wrong. He said, all would be fulfilled. Men, try to change the Word of God. Uh, but man can't change the Word of God. Uh, in verse 19, he goes on to say, Whosoever, therefore, shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, understand, God here is just saying, okay, you're, you are saved. He's, he's looking at, talking about saved people now. And you start teaching this way, well, you don't have to do this, you don't have to do that. You know, come on. You know, do the best you can. Uh, get baptized, uh, join a church, you know, d- do these things, and you'll be fine. No, Jesus didn't say that. But you see, that's the way they try to change these things. And so, when you get these pastors, you get Sunday school teachers or whatever, saying it's all right to social drink, <laughs> and and what's wrong with not? You know, those idiots. They tell you not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is a matter of some is. Can you believe that? They, they, if, you, if you're not at church on Sunday night, you're not at church Wednesday night, they think, boy, you've really sinned. And just as we had seen there, the verse one, they are those that sit in the seat of the scornful. That's what they're doing. And I had a, I, I got a letter one day. You said that about forsaking. And he says, you know, the word forsake means to leave altogether. And yeah, I, I, I am there on Sunday, but I am not there on a Sunday night, or I'm not there on a Wednesday night. I, I don't think I need to be. So I had to write him back. Forsake does mean to leave altogether. That's not what the Bible said, forsaking. It means, in its Greek, by the way, I checked out the Greek, everything. In its Greek, it's there, not there there, not there. It's not faithful. God is faithful to us every day. Why can't we be faithful to Him? People said to me, why don't you show us in the Bible where it says Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? And I said, it doesn't. In the book of Acts, they meant every day. You know, you got a good idea. Let's start meeting every day. You know, for some reason or another, they don't want to go along with that. So, so you ask, listen, critical thinking has led you to criticize nothing but God's Word and not what the world is teaching and what evils coming from the world. You've gone the wrong direction. As they say, you've drunk the Kool-Aid. And so, you do that. You teach others to do that. He says, you're least. You might be saved, but you're least in the kingdom of heaven. You're saved so as by fire. You're going to be ashamed at his appearing. Oh, come on, preacher. Well, Hey, God said it. Your argument's not with me. I mean, you can be upset with me, but really, uh, your argument's not with me. It's with the Lord. That's what he said. Now, if you think Jesus is wrong, get on your knees and say, Jesus, you were so wrong on this. I'll preach your funeral. Um, On the other hand, they that teach others to walk with God, remember the Great Commission, salvation, baptism, and teaching them to observe all things that he's commanded. See, some like, wow, man, they preach how to get saved there at Central Baptist. They even have baptisms. But the problem comes when you're talking about teaching to observe all things. And then there's a problem there. So as you look at this verse, there are those who not only break that command, but then they also try to get others on that. Well, here's a commandment for an example, Jesus said in First Peter chapter 1, which is a repeat of the Old Testament, if you believe that the New Testament does with the Old Testament, then you've got to say Peter uh, shouldn't have wrote those words down even that God breathed them to him because that's Old Testament. But in the New Testament says, be ye holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Go back into the Old Testament, it says the same thing in the law. So again, you, you see it is there. What happens today Jude 4, they turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Anything goes. It's all right to do this. It's all right to do that. And they want to call it grace and liberty, just like those that stand in the way of sinners. And they go that direction. Whatever it is, they're going to do it. Their agenda is being used to bring churches, Christian colleges, to actually accommodate the causes of some terrible things. For an example, LGBTQ. I would like to see every one of them get saved. I don't want them to go to hell. I want them to get saved. God can take them from that lifestyle. He really can. But we don't need to adopt it and try to justify it in the church. It's still sin. It needs to be named sin. It is still wrong. It needs to still be called wrong. And you say, well, preacher, you shouldn't say that. Why? God says it. So why if God says it, should I not just tell you what God said? I'm just telling really. I didn't make this up. God, it's God's Word. All I'm doing is delivering to you God's Word and that's what I'm told to do. Preach the Word. And then you look further now as we've Looked at this and seen all these things that are there. People are trying to accommodate the world instead of uplifting the name of Christ. Now, you'll notice two things uh, that we've been looking at in this passage uh, that are uh, quoting the words of Jesus. Whosoever, therefore, shall break one of these least commandments... least, even what you might even consider the least, and teach others to do so, (laughs) it's bad for you. It's bad for you in eternity. You're one that's going to be ashamed before all of heaven, all the angels, all your family that are there, everyone else that is there, you're going to be ashamed before all of heaven. You'll be least in heaven, but those that are great will be great in heaven. Now, let me just say this. I've I've said some things about critical thinking. Critical thinking, now we say it started with a guy by the name of John Dewey, and that's because he had a very strong effect on education in America. In the 1930s particularly, he wrote his theories back in the early 1900s, actually late 1800s. They just didn't get known until the 1900s. But this is what I want to say. John Dewey sometimes used the name God. But by his own omission, he did not believe God existed. The reason you later have Spock, the reason you later have LGBTQ, the reason you have all these things that have come in, was birthed through critical thinking. Now, I don't believe that John Dewey just came up with it. I think that 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 was the devil's way throughout. But he was able to manifest it through John Dewey. The problem is, is today there are, if I name some of those colleges, I could stand up here and name some colleges that are doing it. That you've known for years that were solid colleges. They've gone to that. That's the reason why I emphasize the truth and all these things on the Bible. The Word of God is our authority. Not one bit of it passes away. The critical thinking is not to be of the Word of God. The critical thinking needs to be of these things, like LGBTQ. Hey, just move your kids on to next grade anyway. Hey, just do this. Don't do that. Don't spank your children. You'll warp them. Okay. Let them go out and warp the lives of other people then, when they steal, when they spread STDs, when they end up in hell, and many of their friends with them. So you've got to decide which side you're on. You see, it's the word of the Lord that endures forever. And he says there in, in, in these verses, well let me read verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed. And this is from 1 Peter chapter 1, by the way. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 and verse 25. Verse 23, he says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And then verse 25, but the word of God Okay, the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Other words, you know how I can know that I'm saved? You know how people can know they're saved? God's word is absolute truth. His word is always right. How can you know the word? Well, grace through faith. Grace through faith. Now, I've got so much more that I want to say on this. And I'm thinking of tying this into next Sunday morning sermon. I may or may not. But what I'm trying to say is this. Christian. The Word of God has to be the most important book in your life, but it also has to be the book that you read, think on, meditate on. Because if you don't, don't expect God's help in time of need. You abandon God, don't expect that. You don't live in obedience to him, don't expect him to answer prayer. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's Psalm 66, that's very clear. It's a Christian. Read it and live it. See, one of the testimonies the world misses now are Christians living it. That's why they go to church. And listen, I had this experience on, an, on a jet. I, I gave a, a young lady the, the track that are out there at the exits on on uh god's plan of salvation that one i wrote and has the qr code on it gave it to a young lady on the on the airplane she read it come back to me and uh let me know wow i've been searching for this. this is what it needed she says i went forward in church uh as a little girl in a camp and she said pray this prayer and that's all she knew about it but that was that was it she said i didn't realize it was a life commitment And and she got the things right, right there. But when I was telling her, you know, find your church. Make sure they use a King James Bible. And make sure they're not just rock and roll music. She said, that's it. I went back to church for the first time in years, three weeks ago. And it was just like the nightclubs I've been going to. The music, everything going on was just like the nightclubs. That's not what I was searching for. You see, she'd been going there, and it didn't bring peace. It didn't cleanse her mind of the guilt the Spirit of God can bring upon a person. It didn't cleanse her of her sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. And I use that, most of you as Christians know that but the glory of God is Jesus Christ. We want to compare ourselves to other Christians, other churches, and everything else, and, and, and we're doing better than they are. I'm not as bad as them. Really? He didn't compare you to them. He compared you to the glory of God, which is Jesus Christ. The idea, actually the Greek rendering is, it continually comes short of the glory of God. And I'm saying that to say that everyone has sinned and comes short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. It is final. It is complete. Separation from God forever in the lake of fire. The Word of God tells us how to be saved. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30, he said, Repent ye, therefore, repent ye, therefore. God commandeth all men to repent, because he's appointed a day in which he will judge the world. That's not the only time he said that. He said, God tells you to repent, but so does Acts 3, 19. Repent ye, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the Lord. Want a good example of conversion? Marriage. You're single. You do whatever it is you do. I, I asked a lady one time that was, uh, when I was at my first church and her husband passed away, uh, it, it was sometime afterward. I said, do You think you get married? She says, You kidding? She says, I get up and go where I want to go. I get to eat what I want to eat. I f- fix what I want to fix. I do what I want to do. I don't want to get under that stuff again. I thought it was pretty funny myself when she said it. But she was serious. You know what? I have an old sin in nature, and I don't want to be under that control. So when I turned to Christ, he became the head. And he's my Savior. And he promised, I would never leave thee nor forsake thee. So believing that he died for our sin, was buried and rose from the dead, we call upon him to save our soul, and he'll give us everlasting life. Now, let's give these two questions. First of all, are you 100% sure, do you know by the Word of God, that if you died today, that Heaven's your home? If you don't know that, you cannot be a bigger fool than to not do anything about it this morning. Secondly, are you a Christian looking to what you can do in this world, how you can fulfill the flesh, loving the world. And the things that are in the world, and, and the things of the world have a greater appeal, and God is put to the side, whether it's church attendance, whether it's reading your Bible, whether it's meditating on it, whether it's anything else, whether it's being a witness, whatever, that's secondary. And then that day you stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. And He asked you, Why was that more important than your relationship with me? Why was that more important than the souls that you could have influenced for Christ? Why was that more important to have that then when now you're ashamed before all of heaven, family, friends, the angels, the saints of Days past. Saved so as by fire. Loss of reward. That's not what you want. But you better believe what the Bible says that is going to happen if you don't walk with God. Christian, let's not expect people to get saved if we won't walk with God. Let's get back. To the old paths, as Jeremiah chapter six, uh, six, verse sixteen says. Why? Because those were the right ways, and those are the ways that have eternal benefit and blessing. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Do you know that you had that blessing? I'm not saying. Do you know you're saved as a Christian? should know that by the Word of God. He doesn't lie if you've received Him. But are you walking with Him? Let's bow our heads please.